What's up, all you beautiful people? It's your boy, Hobart, coming to you with a fresh episode of the Bartcast. Happy April, Thursday, April 21st, the day after the high holiday. How are your guys' holidays? Did you spend them well? I had a blast, a genuine blast. My guest today is a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, She is a badass writer, surfer of the digital airwaves, and uh, definitely, you know, played a, played a role in my own development, and especially, like, when I think about where I am now as a podcaster, and, uh, you know, the many skills we gather in our life before we find that, that path we want to set off on, so um, I met Mallory in college, uh, we became friends and, uh, and I was looking for, I was looking for an opportunity, uh, to intern, um, it was my final year of college and it was part of the program I was in to find an internship and I had a conversation with Mallory and she invited me to come in and co-host her show. She was at that time running and hosting a Monday morning hip hop show on Mutiny Radio, which was a pirate radio station at the time. And so she was a pirate radio host and just had a blast working with her on the show, putting together playlists, talking about hip hop news. She's just the best. Um, And these days, uh, Mallory is the multimedia producer at KCBS Radio uh, in Berkeley, and she's also the executive producer of Connect the Dots podcast. So she's still in the broadcast game, and I just felt like I really wanted to bring her on and talk about her process of producing and, uh, you know, kind of give all of you an understanding of what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, when producing podcasts, because because podcasts are big these days, and uh, and Mallory's a G. So, without further ado, let me introduce to you my friend Mallory Samara on this episode fifty-one of the Bartcast. Great to hear from you. What a surprise! <laughs> the water, yo, the water's on our side, yo. We're running with the water. It's the best. been a long time yeah <laughs> welcome to the bardcast thank welcome you to my windowed or windowed studio if you will thank you so much thank you for having me what an honor we we're just talking about as we we're getting set up like we haven't seen each other since was it 2019 i want to i feel like i think it was october 2019 we went to we were at the greek theater and I wanted to go to that concert. Um, was it Mostaf or Yasin Bey, Erica Badu, 
Slick Rick. Was Slick Rick on it? Busta Rhymes. He was. That's right. Um, Just this, keep going. Though. Yeah. Who else? Souls of Mischief. That's right. Um, there were hella. There was hella folks there that day. Yeah, that was like the greatest hip hop lineup I think I've seen since like Rock the Bells 2007. Yeah. And just getting to see Slick Rick, like for me, he's one of the goats. <laughs> yeah. And just like the smoothest delivery. And, you know, I, I, I think he's someone that I come back to again and again. One of the few rappers that I feel like took the British accent and like made it an asset yeah totally like was able to exist in the gangster era <laughs> and it like his his like little british thing like became just kind of swag totally and his rhyme his rhyme schemes are so dope i feel like that era was probably i feel like it's like a really good era for like being a, a caricature you know or like mm-hmm. playing a different character right like um what's his name from digital underground why can't i ever oh shock g shock g who just passed rest yeah in peace. r.i.p rest in beats yeah, but yeah, that was a good concert. That was really good. It was fun. The yeah. Greek. It's and like one of my favorite favorite. Yeah, venues like for sure. just seeing like Erica Badu come out and like rush like a most deaf or Yasin Bey, if you will, set. Yeah. And kind of take over, and then the two of them like you could just tell that they've just they're such homies. You and could yeah, and you love could is there. Yeah, and like she was on stage for however long she wanted to, mm-hmm. and he just like let her. Yeah because she is who she is right and he was so humble too like he came out and he was just kind of like i remember him saying like like you guys think like this is you know like a bit like like i'm doing this all just for you guys yeah but like this is super big for me too like i'm so grateful to be here yeah just to see that he totally made my heart melt in that moment i know it was (laughs) so good that was my second time seeing eric wait second time seeing erica badu I'd seen her, like, do a DJ set. I saw her perform once before. I don't remember where. Oh, at the Fox for mm. New Year's Eve, like, okay. years ago. And then I saw her then. And then I saw her at the Lights On Festival. You know, her, she did that, like, R&B festival in Concord. Um, got a little bit too crazy that night. But mm. it was a really good show. <laughs> it was really good. As she does sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But so I, that's, yeah. Sorry, we're gonna. No, I was gonna say it's been like two and a half years, something like that. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Here we are. I know. I'm getting strong, uh, strong throwbacks to our last uh, time sharing a studio, which was, I believe, yeah. 2012. That I think that was 2012 because you you were looking for an internship. Mm-hmm. It was like my last semester. You were my, you were my intern. I was your intern. It was you were, my, my last semester of college. You were really just like my co-anchor or just like my co-host. Yeah. Really. No, it was, it was so dope because, you know, in the communications program, I knew I wanted to do an internship. I actually wished I had done more interning like over the course of the program. Me too. But, uh... But at the end, it was like, okay, what am I going to do? And then we had just become friends, like, in that year. I think, like, uh, like or, a couple of years Or a couple before years before. That. But we were, yeah. like, you were someone I was talking to. Yeah. And, uh, and the idea came out for me to come and, and help you on your radio show that you already had. Yeah. On, uh, it was Mutiny. Mutiny Radio. Mutiny Radio. Formerly known as Pirate Cat Radio. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, 
this little kind of hole in the wall coffee shop mm-hmm. cafe with a re- with a studio in, in the mission. And, and that's As I a, used to say, the deep mission. The deep mission for 21st sure. 21st in Florida. That's right. Yeah. And I remember that starting off, I had to do the morning show with Howard. That sounds about right. Howard something. Howard something, which I like really did not enjoy because it was like too early. It was like 6 a.m., which, you know, I'm like, what, like 22, 23, maybe 24, 3, 24, Mm -hmm. very early. And then it was so such a sticky show. Yeah. And like just a lot of kind of, you know, you know, corny, corny moments there, Yeah. which these days I probably would just roll with and like enjoy a lot more. But I was doing your show, which I loved and doing this other show right after his show with Ashley. Yeah. Which was like more of like a kind of comedic. She talked about sex a lot. A lot of sex stuff, a lot of UFOs. It was like sex stories and UFOs. (sighs) And she would just have me like go on like the Craigslist personals and <laughs> try to find like the most bizarre like meetups, casual encounters. Mm-hmm. And then it was like that. And then like, you know, Bigfoot and alien abductions. It was pretty awesome, actually. She um, had a great show. She had yeah. like one of the best shows at that station. And people loved to be guests on her show because yeah. it was, I mean, she had her lane. She picked it. She was in it. She owned it. You For know? Sure. Yeah. That was good times. And who... We interviewed someone like kind of famous, I feel like. Like, I think we interviewed David Koechner. Who you did? Yeah. On Ashley's show? On Ashley's show. Like, I remember she got like, I was like, how'd you get this? (laughs) And it was super cool. I wasn't even in the moment like that aware of like the momentousness of it. But it was just like, yeah, if we did that today. Um, But my favorite was your show, which was a Meladius case of the Mondays, which was... Like a hip hop, yeah, culture, music, news, local music, mm. hit local hip hop, yeah, yeah, yeah that remember. was good times. The thing is, though, like if you reach out to someone and you want to interview them, there is a very big chance that I mean, I don't know about big chance, but there's <laughs> a ch- there's a chance that you'll get the interview. Like I, my first big interview was Zion I. And I, I did not anticipate, like, I was just like, can I curse? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> Say whatever you want. <laughs> I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to, like, email them. Like, yeah. it's, I'm just going to see what happens. And I'd been listening to Zion I since high school. And, um, yeah, and then they got back to me and I was like, whoa. Like, I'm really about to, like, interview, like, a couple of my favorite, like, local rappers or, like, hip-hop artists, which is crazy. And I got to interview them a couple of times. And, um, yeah, like, uh, let's see, who else? A couple of my early interviewees were Rafael Casal and David Diggs, you know, creators of Blind Spotting. And mm. so, like, we still keep in touch. And it's just, it's nuts. If you just, like, email someone or just, like, send a message, sometimes it just happens. Right. Yeah, I feel, I feel like in the post in like the podcast post podcast era or whatever era we're in now yeah there's less shine on like i I feel like these days people are so used to like having people ask them to call on their podcast yeah it's gotten a little bit harder than it used to be or is like more of a rare thing for an artist to be like that's featured that's true but yeah i'm still like 
you know, it's still, I think your point still totally stands true. And I'm always amazed. Like I had recently on this show, like one of my personal like idols who's, uh, Dan Dibley, who's got, he's on the, um, Karen BR, Oh, cool. uh, 95.7 like he's one of the big sports talk guys oh nice and he's just like a master like quipper I think your show's also on audacity they're on audacity oh, yeah, as well yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah they're just uh I think or they're odyssey down- no, odyssey yeah odyssey. they're downstairs okay yeah they're downstairs from us <laughs> yeah but he's yeah. he's like so talented and he's also my high school volley- volleyball coach he was your high school volleyball coach yeah do you know who I'm talking about you know dibs no, I him? don't okay. know. <laughs> He's got a show. His show right now is called Willard and Dibs. They're like the nine, nine to eleven. Oh, cool. Or maybe ten in the morning. Ten to twelve. I forget. Nine to twelve. I think yeah. actually um, on weekdays, and it's just like Bay Area sports and really funny. And they their producer plays like tons of classic '90s hip hop, like on the breaks. Nice. Um, How'd the interview go? It was great. I mean, yeah. I, I definitely was. Like, there was a little bit of nervousness, which I find on this show, like, my default is to go into more of, like, an interview, like, formal type of setup. Yeah. Uh, And I, what I would wish I could, would have done more of, and maybe if, if he ever comes on again, I'll be at a place where I can do more of this, is, like, more of, like, the kind of just quipping, bouncing back and forth, getting to kind of play that game. Yeah. On air, which is... I think like a lifetime skill that I'm always working on for sure. Um, but it was great. I mean, I think we both had a good time and I, I definitely like came out of it just so excited that I got to like, you know, have this guy on my show who I really <laughs> admire and who's like such a, um, just so talented at being a broadcaster at being a personality and, uh, keeping a flow going and, and, and just thinking on his feet with these great, you know, quippy, things and i'm sure you just like what emailed him right yeah i was like i think reached out on facebook maybe we're facebook friends but yeah but uh yeah it was like a kind of a hail mary toss if you yeah. will <laughs> yeah. and he, he was like into it and said yes and took you know there's always a little bit of scheduling back and forth but yeah. he was super gracious with his time and i was uh definitely very grateful to have him on and um so yeah, like yeah, booking guests. I think you swing for the fences. Yeah, yeah. I definitely sent some Instagram messages out <laughs> to like to to some artists where I'm like, probably won't see this, but yeah, if it was a yes, that would be cool, cool, <laughs> yeah. super cool. And, yeah, you uh, always just hope. Yeah, might as well, right? Yeah, and I think for what did you say his name was Dan. Dan Dibley. Dibley. Dibs is kind of his Dibs. radio persona. I think. I think, like say you know like for someone like me it's like I I do a lot of interviewing and so when someone asks to interview me I'm like that actually sounds like fun that sounds like fun like right. why not like mm-hmm. let's do it just like role reversal here totally yeah I mean it's such a different experience like being on the other side of the of the chair if you will or yeah. the, like I had one of one of my earlier episodes my neighbor shout out Forrest uh He's like, I kind of want to do podcasting. And he's like, what if I came on your show and I hosted as yeah. a guest host? And I was mm-hmm. like, sure, like, let's do it. And getting to be the guest was like such a cool, <laughs> I was like, is this what it's like for all my guests? Like yeah. just having someone kind of 
focus on you and try to interview you I know it's kind of weird because like being in this position like I want to try like I'm looking over I'm like seeing if the levels are uh, you know what I mean like right, I, you're in producer mode I, yeah I'm in producer mode but I, I am I am shutting that uh shutting that right now <laughs> that's good it's yeah. good practice shutting it yeah. well speaking of producer mode yeah um just for the listeners out there who may not be familiar with your fame and glory I'm not famous <laughs> uh what it what it like what are you doing these days in yeah. the in the realm of broadcast, podcast, radio? Like, how would you describe what you do? So my official role is I'm a multimedia producer um, for KCBS Radio in San Francisco, which is uh, an all-news radio station here um, in the Bay Area. And uh, it's been around for, like, ever. Um, I think, like, over 100 years. Um, is it a CBS affiliate? It used to be owned by CBS. Yeah, so we were bought by Intercom a few years ago, and then a couple of years ago, I think it came became Radio.com, and I don't mm. yeah, just there's a whole thing now. It's right. Odyssey. Yes. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm there, and I've been there for uh, in May. It'll be three years. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and I started off as a PA, and then became a writer, and then a digital writer, and then a producer, and then an editor. And then um, this, like, really cool opportunity came up to do podcasting um, and sort of, like, like start this new podcasting, like, digital world for the station because it's very analog. You know, it's very radio. It's almost like uh, I feel like radio can be very purist sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think branching out into podcasting and the digital sphere, I think they were probably a little hesitant at first. You had some old dogs in the studio. <laughs> there are some like definite veterans for sure. <laughs> like been in radio forever. Um, and it's cool. I, it's cool. Cause I, you know, I get to, I got to produce for them on air and they just do everything like as a producer and editor, it's like, there were so many moments or it's, it's breaking news. Right. And so stuff would happen and like if it was my first night on the desk alone, you know, whatever. And these guys are just like, all right, like do this, do that. And then they get on the air and they read the script and then they come out and something had to happen. Like they would just like calmly instruct you through it. And uh, even though you're kind of freaking out on the inside, they always kept their cool and uh, they've just been doing it forever. So it's it's been such a like a treat and an experience to like learn from people like them and um I mean some of these news anchors were also music DJs before like mm. a couple of our anchors Peter Finch and uh John Evans like they used to be on like jazz stations and classical stations here they in the have Bay that area jazz voice yes yeah <laughs> especially like John Evans definitely has that like cool cat kind of voice <laughs> he's he's one of my favorites but so yeah, that's I was I was doing on air for a while and um, it was a little like nerve wracking for me because like I mean stuff comes in like mm -hmm. earthquake like child abduction like fire everything and you really you just really have to like be on it and uh, for someone with anxiety like me I'm just like okay let me is there some way that I can still do this but not do that <laughs> <laughs> and not be in the line of fire like yeah. that. Um, so yeah, digital came up and they hired a bunch of people to sort of like spearhead the digital department. And I was like, okay, well, I think, 
I think I want to make things from sound and tell stories with sound and stuff. So yeah. let's give it a try. So that's, that's what I'm doing now is I'm doing like podcasting and like taking not as much videos and like photos and stuff. I'm not as skilled, um, but a lot of sound, a lot of interviewing and like audio editing and stuff like that. So, awesome. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to, I wanted to ask you, <laughs> first of all, that's such a cool story. And oh. <laughs> for myself, like the more I've, dove in into dived into dove dive the more I've dove into into podcasting um just the more like appreciation I have for the whole production process for audio yeah and I'm curious you know because the word producer is such an umbrella term it can mm-hmm. mean so many different things for different industries too yeah, yeah totally so can you just describe like what your particular producer role is yeah. what that means just to give people an understanding of like, uh, you know, this is a largely unseen role when you're listening. I'm sure many of you out there are listening to a ton of podcasts. Yeah. Um, it's often, you know, the role that's kind of in the background. Yeah. Sometimes on some shows I see them like popping up and talking. But yeah. What What is your producer role? It's kind of like being a driver, but not in the front seat. It's like you're driving from the back seat a little bit. Um, so right now I'm executive producer of a national news podcast called connect the dots and it's a weekly podcast that, um, just explores, you know, different aspects, different stories that are in the news right now. Like for instance, this week we are talking about the billionaire tax, billionaire income tax. And, um, so as a producer, um, I work with three other very talented producers, one in Chicago, uh, Lauren Berry, Dempsey Pilat is in New York, um, and then Sydney Fishman here in the Bay Area. So we work for the same station. Um, and so kind of collectively, we decide on a story um, and then sort of like hone in on an angle. Um, so for this week, uh, you know, it's how would the billionaire tax impact um, regular, not regular, average, you know, sort of like everyday t- uh, taxpayers. And then how would it impact like the folks that have so much money they don't even, they don't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just like how it would impact them. And if, if that tax could sort of like bring us closer to a more equal, you know, way of paying taxes and way of living and what that would look like for everybody. Um, so we decide on the story, we decide on the angle and then we sort of go, okay, like who do we talk to about this? So we start to like scour articles, you know, that are online or listen to podcasts and see if who might be a good fit. We book them, uh, we interview them and, um, as executive producer, I mainly make sort of like the bigger decisions, like saying yes to a subject or coordinating different things like schedules and like recordings and you know stuff like that and then um i'm actually the one who like puts most of the audio together so i'll take the interviews i'll find music um we'll find what's called radio actualities so like clips from the radio to sort of like tell the story of give you a picture of what's happening in the news kind of like attributions like in print yeah exactly um like for this week's, I took a clip of Biden talking about the billionaire tax and how everyone needs to pay, you know, pay their part um, and sort of like inserted that into the story. 
And so I take all the sound and I put it together and I edit it all together. And then, um, and then, yeah, so that's, that's what we pretty much do as producers, uh, for a podcast. Um, a lot of interviewing, Mm -hmm. a lot of emails. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I listened actually today while I was making breakfast to, to the, to that episode you just referenced. Oh yeah. Just wanted to get a feel of like the stuff that you're doing. Yeah. You sent me a couple links. I, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's that beautiful radio voice. <laughs> you have a very nice, like, timbre, which, I, which is, I think, a big, you know, it's important in this line of work is to have a, a voice that people want to listen to, you know. So. It's a lot different doing, because, you know, when you're recording a podcast, um, not necessarily like a live, like, you know, what we're doing right now, but when you're we're recording it almost like a, I, I would say it's like our podcast. It's almost like an audiobook, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a story. And so you have to like do all these different takes and, you know, be happy with the, the version that you put out. And it's so different because it's like you want to just keep recording over and over and over again to like right. for it to be perfect, mm-hmm. which it never will be. Um, do you guys write scripts? Yeah, we write scripts. It gets combed through like a few times. That's another part. I guess I didn't, yeah. I didn't say that. The, all the producers, we all write the scripts okay. too. Um, right now we have a – we're kind of rotating. All the different producers are hosting um, the episodes. But before we had um, – her name is Linda Lopez, and she was an anchor uh, at WCBS in New York. Um, she recently took a leave of absence to work for the Biden administration okay. to, like, work for the Department of Education. So that's, like, awesome. Um, so what, when she was anchoring for us, what I would do is we would write the script together, give it to her. And then I'd like call her on the phone and sort of like walk through the script with her and like, see if everything was like up to par. Um, so yeah, scripting is a big part of it. Very scripted. Yeah. Super duper scripted. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of a, in the flow chart of podcast organization, Yeah, scripted versus unscripted can can t- take you in very different directions as far for as for sure goes. and as a producer you also like write the questions too um you can probably go in you know and just kind of ask questions mm-hmm. um but for news you know you have to like have a little bit of background information because you don't you don't want to ask the same question that's being asked everywhere else you know if there's a million articles about this one angle you can just like write that into the script a little bit but if something is like more googleable (laughs) than other things like you don't want to like talk too much about it because then we've heard it all right you know um but yeah thank you i'm i'm working on my recorded voice i i do miss live radio and like just Mm-hmm. kind of shooting the shit yeah <laughs> you know like talking and talking about music and stuff like that so yeah i wanted to ask you like as as we were getting ready for this you mentioned that you don't currently have your own podcast or your own project going on but i'm yeah. wondering what is at this juncture in time what is like the dream mallory project <laughs> like if you just you know let's say your your uh, manager came to you and was like you know we got room for a creative new yeah. channel yeah. It can be whatever you want it to be. You'll yeah. be funded. Go. What, what do you make? What show do you make? So I'm actually in the process of um, figuring that out right now. Um, I had expressed interest in having my own local show because 
national is, um, I mean, it's like really important mm -hmm. and it's been an honor. But um, one of the things that I love about the Bay Area is that there's so much like arts and culture here. There's so much happening every single day, all the time, mm -hmm. everywhere. And um, I sort of like thrive talking to people and just being out there. And so um, there is something in the works right now for like an arts and culture podcast that I would um, host and produce. Um, and so that's, that's in development right now. So awesome. Yeah. To be, to be TBA. Yeah. TBA to be TBD. So sweet. Yeah. That should be fun. Do you think you'll do like interviews as part of that or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, similar to the show that we did back in the day. I, I think, so. well, no, I think a little bit different. I don't think it's going to be, it's not going to have the like live element, you know, mm -hmm. it's not going to be on air. It'll be podcasted. And so right. there will be some like editing involved. Yeah. Um, but I would love to do like, I, I love getting interviews like out, you know, like, um, just like outside or mm -hmm. like, you know, like at the show yeah. or, you know, whatever it is backstage or, or whatever. I love, I love the booth too. If I had a booth, if I had like a setup where I, I could have a guest too, I would love to like dig into that as yeah. well. But maybe that'll have to be for like another time. What's what's your like setup when thing. you when you go out into the field to do field interviews? Like what do you bring? What do I bring with me? Um, it depends. So if I so like we kinda like share equipment and then I have some of my own. So I'll bring like I have a Zoom H four N and then I'll bring a couple of microphones. I have a cup. There's a couple of shotgun mics that we um, that we share. Okay. Um, so or like yeah. a boom or? No, just like, well, okay. I actually brought one because I didn't know what I was going to be doing today. Yeah. I don't always use this. This is more for like if I want to be a little bit more incognito. Yeah. Um, but this is my Zoom H1. Yep. This is, I've had this since I think we were working together on okay. the radio. Yeah. So I've had this since like 2010. Nice. And it's like, it's my baby. And it's um it's really small. It's a, a like I mentioned a Zoom H1, but this is a lot more for like as you probably know for like ambient sound. Like getting interviews with it is fine, um, but it it Pick does up a lot of background. It clutter. picks up a lot of background, so it depends on the story. But um, like I did that uh that interview with the the bird experts for the the peregrine falcons mm -hmm. at UC Berkeley. Yeah. And I didn't have any of my other equipment on me. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to have to make it work with this. And so I brought this and it actually worked out pretty well because yeah. I was able to like pick up some of the UC Berkeley sounds. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was definitely on campus, <laughs> you know, and got all the, the bell tower and, you know, all of the campanile ringing and stuff like that. It sounded intentional. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like when you mess up in a play. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I meant to do that. With it. Yeah. But I have the Zoom H4n, which is a little bit bigger. And it I got one of those. You got one of those? Yeah, that, the first like three three to five episodes of this mm -hmm. podcast I did on there. Yeah. And it, it was with not without its little quirks. Yes. And, uh, and then I was like, hey, I got GarageBand. I got my <laughs> laptop. Oh, I'm going to get, you know, all I need to do is get this cool interface. And Right now I'm trying to figure out, like I did an interview this morning and I did it through my like Zoom H4N. It was through the phone. Have you ever done an interview over the phone before? Um, Skype and Zoom, but no, not over just the straight phone call. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of like a setup. Yeah. So you have to like hook it up. 
you know, you hook up the, the microphone and then, um, uh, you know, you, you do the like external mic and then you have a splitter that goes into your phone. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out a good setup because it kind of like has some like sound issues. So, you know, artifacts. gotta re-up, re-up my game a little bit, figure that out. Do you, does it, has it changed like having this little microphone in your purse or whatever, your bag? Has it changed the way that you experience ambient sounds? Like when you're going out in the world, you're like, ooh, that's a good sample. Or, ooh, I could capture that. I collect, I mean, like, I'm telling you, even with my phone, I have so many sounds on my phone. Like, (laughs) I just record sound all the time. Like, even if I'm in the car and I I hear, I don't know, someone playing music, and I'm like, okay, that would be, like, a really good background if I'm, you know, doing a story about, like, driving through Oakland and, like, being in the car. Or if I hear an owl and I'm like you know, out hiking because I love to trail run and I love going hiking. Um, if I hear like a sound out there, I'm like pulling out my phone and I'm like recording it. Um, and of course, especially if I, if I have this with me, I'm usually recording stuff <laughs> or like after a concert. Yeah. Um, anywhere where you can get like really rich stuff. But the problem is I don't always label them. And so by the time I go back to listen to them, I'm like, wait, what, what is this? (laughs) Yeah. The indexing is such a underseen aspect to production that I think a lot, a lot of people like it's such a deep dive once you start getting into it. Yeah. And the labeling. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got their own system. Yeah. It's the same with like videography, you know, like I, I definitely have had to develop my own system for organizing footage and I, f- I was talking to my friend about this the other day because like I haven't found I haven't like found my perfect system. So like every project <laughs> is a little different how I set up my files and stuff. Yeah. And it's definitely like a significant chunk of time, you know, where I'm doing sifting, going through for, you know, making my first pass, my first edit. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's just like the more you it's kind of like you were saying earlier, like you start doing this kind of work and like very like early on you're like this is the job I want to hire someone else to do yeah you know? <laughs> like- totally <laughs> I I have that moment all the time and I'm that's why I like I'm really grateful to have co-producers because there are certain things that I'm I feel like I'm not as good at I'm probably probably better at it than I give myself credit for which is I think the case for every one of us on this earth but um yeah there are certain things where it's like like today, my coworker Cindy, she's like, "I'll get started on the script today," and I was like, "Thank God, I didn't mm-hmm. want to start that." Right. I'll edit, like I'll do all the other things, but thank you for starting that. You know, so yeah. yeah and I think as you get further down this road, like, like I, I'm a one man operation right here, and if you look around in here, we got lights, we got cameras, we got mics. You got the whole, you got the got whole my little thing set like, up. bedroom studio thing going, but you know, I think as you, as we continue to like develop ourselves and develop our skills and specialize, it takes so much energy to do the stuff that you want to do. And what I find is like, you know, when you get to that place where you have the resources to invest, like your own energy and creativity is kind of like the biggest, uh, you know, it's like the most valuable currency that we all have. Yeah. So like, what can I do in my own system to try to optimize that so that I can like get, do more of what I'm really meant to do and what I love. And totally. 
there's so many professionals out there where like their thing is the thing that I'm not as excited about. So it's yeah. like, you know, like in, I'm, I'm working on this YouTube channel that me and my buddy just started and I'm like deep in the weeds trying to figure out this, this edit. And yeah. it's just becoming so clear to me that like, I need an editor, you know, totally. That, like, I can do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not the most efficient. It takes a lot of my energetic bandwidth to get there. Mm -hmm. And so like having someone who's like really quick and like where that's their art, that's yeah. their passion. And they're like, yeah, I would love, this is what I like to do most. I don't want to be in front of camera. I well, don't because it's be... taken them years to get to this place where they right. can do it like that. Where totally. with you, it's probably, or like, you know, if it's something that you're not as used to, it's going to take you a lot longer. Yep. And someone else they're like oh that's easy yep exactly and <laughs> i could do that i've been working on um on a lot of film sets over the last couple of years too yeah one of my side hustles is like doing art department set dressing stuff and that's like that to a thousand because you're on set with like 30 people and yeah. everybody's a master uh-huh it i know how to get this the shadows you know light this thing to look beautiful and i know how to you know get the sound right and i know it yeah. And that, you know, I'm always so in awe of of a larger production like that where you're like, man, there's so many. Every one of these people has spent, is in the middle of their career. Yeah. This one little aspect, all those pieces together make this amazing piece of work. And I think also, you know, one of the uh, things that I had to get used to was like giving up control of the, right. those things. Because yeah. I'm used to being sort of like a one person operation too, like. I mean, you know, on the, the at the radio station mm -hmm. at Mutiny, it's like, you're doing everything. Yep. And that was my favorite part. Like, um, I tell people all the time, it's like, they're like, oh, what did you do? I'm like, man, what <laughs> didn't I do? Like, right. you're hosting it. You're going out and, like, setting up the mics for the bands. Like, mm -hmm. you're going in. You're clicking play. You're running the board. You're, like, archiving what songs that you're putting up. It's It's, like, a whole thing. And so when I started to work at a station where I was in charge of one thing, I was like, what do you mean <laughs> I have someone to pull that thing for me or like to pull up a audio clip and like save it for me. I, I don't have to do it myself or delegation sensation. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, that is another skill is learning to give up that control. Mm -hmm. Um, cause sometimes you have to, and um they're just learning how to like you know move in sync with other people yeah so how satisfying is it though i mean i i just produced for this this edit i was just talking about for our youtube channel i yeah. produced um the shoot and it was like i hired the cameras i you know i can shoot but i hired my buddy who's like a dp who's really talented yeah and we had you know lighting we had you know i was and i was getting to be like in front of the camera like actually talent and hosting wow. it which was a blast but i was also producing the whole thing yeah and i get so much joy and satisfaction out of like assembling a team and mm -hmm. like getting everybody doing their things trying to keep the big picture intact yeah and i found that really satisfying well and people see things that you don't see yeah and vice versa totally um we just got an editor like this whole time I, i've been sort of like the editing eye for the last like or year for the last like nine ten months for the podcast and finally they were able to get me an editor because i everyone needs an editor yeah <laughs> and it's been really nice because i you learn more that way i'm like hey like how does this sound and like what's a good headline like what do you think and they're able to just be 
like they're so quick about it where it would probably take me a little bit longer. Right. So um, it is really like satisfying and very gratifying. Like, thank you person for making me sound way more intelligent and together. And yes. Like, cause everybody <laughs> benefits off of like we all bet you still get, it's still a representation of your thought and your yeah. work. And that's something I've definitely like the times that I've gotten to be a director and gotten to like, you know, the big fear when you bring other people onto a project is mm-hmm. like, I'm kind of putting my idea in your hands and trusting that, that you're going to run with it. And, yeah. and so often I find that, you know, when, when you have the right people and you have a good, a good fit, yeah. uh, and then you give that trust, like you might get things back that look different than you expected. But a lot of times it's amazing. Like, man, yeah. I couldn't even have imagined that it was going to be this cool. Yeah. And then, you know, but getting those that those other creatives involved and yeah, I mean that's the beauty of collaboration. What's what do you think your strongest thing is? Like, what are you what are you the best at in the world? What's your forte? <laughs> <laughs> I think my forte is the, to toot my own horn, um, as we all should. As sometimes we all should. I think what I do best is get people comfortable. Um, that's kind of what I've, it's the skill I've been working on the longest, I would say. And communications major. Yeah. I mean, it's just (laughs) one that I didn't really see formally until like, I really started to fall in love with the, with the work. Yeah. And, you know, I got my start with all of this, like directing music videos, the honey drops gave me an opportunity and to direct and, and being on set with like these guys who were my idols and having to kind of herd them and like direct them mm-hmm. and realizing like, Oh, like none of this is like new to me as far as like the communication aspect of this. Yeah. And these guys are more nervous than I am right now. Yeah. And I can like use my talents of all those years of hitchhiking and, <laughs> you know, Craigslist ride chair to Santa Barbara <laughs> and back. And like, I'm like, Oh, this is all like applicable skills that uh that are deeply relevant to to doing this kind of work yeah um and then when i got into podcasting two years ago it was like oh yeah this is just like the logical evolution of those um you know this is i think episode 52 we're doing right now so like the you know it's an evolving process but like there's the old trusty mechanisms I can fall back on. If yeah. It's I'm, I'm never, I'm not really scared about like us not being able to find something interesting to talk about. Like it's, yeah. it's kind of what I try to tell guests. Cause I think you're maybe the first guest I've had on probably one of three or four that, that hasn't said like, but I'm not interesting enough to be on a podcast, oh. <laughs> you know, like, well, I think everyone's interesting. That's what I say. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, everybody says it, but I'm like, look, you let me worry about that. Like, yeah, I know you're interesting enough. And that's my true. Job that's your job <laughs> yeah. is to like bring that out of you. Yeah. And I'm very good at like at doing that. I'm going to be able to find that thing that interests me about you and then present that to the audience. Yeah. So I try to tell people like you can't lose here. Yeah. You just sit back. Don't even stress about opening up. Don't even stress about like putting forth a show. Like I'll build the container and then you'll see (laughs) half an hour in suddenly something's going to happen and you're going to be filling the space like beautifully. Yeah. And, 
and always like after we're done everyone's always like wow that was so fun like i didn't know i could do that yeah so cool you know that is i feel like that is probably one of my favorite parts about interviewing and it was one of my favorite parts of having like a radio show was like bringing people into the studio and just like just hanging out Mm -hmm. talking and then next thing you know it's like over and i don't know um it's really fun when when you just you give people a chance to like talk totally. and share. Have you found it's changed the way that you communicate in your in like off your off air world? Yeah, I I so I actually have to like turn. I have to maybe I don't have to learn how to do this. I I keep thinking that it's like oh maybe I have to like turn off my like journalism brain. You know like stop interviewing people when you're <laughs> out because I I do that all the time like. If I meet, like, say, you know, if I'm at a bar and someone is like, oh, I'm an expert in butterflies, I'm going to ask them all of the questions that I think are interesting about butterflies. And then I think, okay, just just chill out. Like, you're asking them way (laughs) too many questions for being at, like, a bar on a Thursday Mm -hmm. night. Um, But maybe not. I don't know. Maybe that's just who I am now. (laughs) I mean, I think it's, it's a pretty, like, I almost wish, I remember when we were at SF State, in the communication program, I took this class that was like communication through drama. And we were doing like, we were doing all these, we did all these performances. We had this big poetry book. And so like the, we would pick different pieces Mm. out of the book and then the, then prepare like a visual representation of the words through like actions, through, through acting, through drama. And like that translation of imagery that's on the page into imagery that's happening live mm-hmm. was, was a really interesting kind of metaphorical way of thinking about communication. Yeah. And I wish that they had had a similar class, but that was like the communication of interviewing or like, you know, kind of what we've yeah. been doing because I think it's an amazing template for connecting with people. Like yeah. everybody loves getting asked about themselves. Yeah. Like, if you're like interested in connecting with someone, the best thing you can do is just ask questions. Totally. And it feels so good to receive that energy. Like, oh, this yeah. person's really interested in me. They're asking all these cool questions. Yeah. Um, and then I think like the other, the other like major field that it's affected me in my life, and this is why I think it would be a useful college course, mm-hmm. is like my ability to interview for a job has been like exponentially improved. Like I've, yeah. this month I like <laughs> just crushed like five interviews in a row yeah. where I got five jobs. Like, yes, you're hired. Yeah. And it was simply like, I didn't do anything that I'm not doing on a podcast <laughs> here. I just like yeah. went right into like interviewer mode. Yeah. And, and you like end up standing out among the pack. Cause they're like, wow, I don't know what it was, but like, that guy's cool. Like I had a good connection with him and yeah. Uh, so I feel like that's one of the like unintended consequences of this whole thing is like, wow, I, I'm like much more confident going into an interview Yeah. and that whole dynamic of like how the communication exists in that context. Hell yeah. And I think also, and, um, I say this all the time because I've, I've worked so many different jobs. I've worked a lot of like customer service jobs. I think that has definitely helped too. Um, I I try to like change that narrative about like, oh, I'm like just a barista or I'm, you know, I, I have a friend who like went to school for teaching and then she went to school for journalism and now she's in school for nursing. And I remember 
when she decided to like switch careers again, she was like, I just feel like I wasted my time. And you know, I was like, no, like you, first off, like you going to school to be a teacher before is going to help you as a nurse. It's like you learning how to write and be a journalist is going to help you as a nurse too. Like those experiences aren't lost unless you like make it lost, Mm -hmm. you know, like everything kind of ties together. And I think my years of like being a barista and working at a museum and um, teaching and yeah. Wait, what is it? Nightlife? Nightlife. Shout out Nightlife. Oh my God, we went to Nightlife that one yeah, time, right? Yeah, you got me in a couple times. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think all of those experiences just lend to what you end up doing, no mm-hmm. matter what it is. That's so, I love you know? that point. That's, I think like, I was talking about this actually on set the other day with, with the director of the, we're working on a commercial. Like, you know, I kind of came into this work right around 30. Mm. And I've had the feeling a couple times thinking about it, like, man, like if only I had like, you know, gotten into this stuff like 10 years ago, where would I be now? You yeah. know, uh, why didn't I f- how, if only I'd found out about the Becca program at SF State. I think know? about that sometimes too. I, I, I found yeah. out about it like senior year and it was too late to join. But yeah. like, but then I'm reminded by like the fact that 20 year old me or 24 year old me, like I was experimenting with so many things. Like mm-hmm. I might have tried this and just not been into it. Yeah. And the wealth, the richness that, that is life experience Mm -hmm. I think is I mean you hear it from older people when you're growing up like yeah life experience super important blah blah blah. I think as a society we don't like formally acknowledge or value it in in the way that it it, it could be or that it maybe it deserves like I I think that it's more of a a subtle nod Mm. yeah that you hear people talking about but I can tell when I'm working in these creative environments, if I'm working with someone that's like lived a life for sure. And, and that, that, that those talents, they're kind of ubiquitous in in whatever your role is or whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, just, I think it depends on like how you see life when you're doing that thing too, you know? Um, yeah you're like you said if you would have tried this in your early 20s like maybe it would have just flown right by you Mm -hmm. and uh, now you have a different perspective on like life and putting stories together and like putting images and like moving pictures together you know like now you can take what you've like done all of these years and like apply it to that right yeah as well as i think you start to recognize the things that you've been doing all along Mm -hmm. that you weren't aware of that you're still (laughs) doing. And it's just, you've locked it into like a a better container. Like I made Mm -hmm. skate videos when I was in high school. Yeah. Me and my brother used to play around on our little, we had like one of those like old school tape decks with the (laughs) microphone attached. Yeah. And we would like literally record off the radio onto a cassette tape. And then we would play it and then we'd do voiceovers as yeah. if we were doing a radio show. Yeah. And like, I never thought that was that big of a deal. Like, right. I was like, I'm not a, ra- you know, I'm, I'm not like one of these nerds who's super <laughs> into this stuff. Yeah. But then you get older and you're like, I guess like looking back at the mosaic of my life, like 
there is this pattern of like making content that I never really thought of as a serious career. Yeah. But now that I've accepted that that's what I want to do, it's like so clear. Like, yeah, I love this shit. Like I've been doing this all these years. Like, well, it's like after I started doing the music radio thing, um, I think I was ta- I was talking to a high school friend or something, and she was like, you know, you were always really into music and like always like doing this and like always putting the playlist together and always. Doing it. I'm like, I don't remember that at all. Um, <laughs> but thank you for reminding me. Yeah. And I guess yeah, I guess it it kind of tracks. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean that was one thing that coming onto your show. I mean, that was, I felt like that was the moment that I had earned my place when you started letting me put together playlists, <laughs> you know, I knew you, cause I knew how much you cared about music and I knew that like <laughs> that your name's in the show, you know, like whatever we're going to be playing it's is representing you it. Yeah. But like, I've always loved sharing the music that I'm into with other people. And so yeah. like getting to come on and be a host and then like, that was my favorite part of the whole job was like, you know, it's like when Tuesday night or Sunday night because it was yeah. Monday night, Monday show, uh, like oh yeah, I gotta find like ten hip hop songs. <laughs> I get to like present these tomorrow on air. This is gonna yeah. be awesome. And, and then there's the magic of like not knowing what you're gonna play, and right. I think that's what I miss about live music radio. And I, I don't think it would be the same if I were to like do commercial radio, which like you know all all due respect because mm-hmm. like. I have much respect for that as well. But I don't know. I, like at Mutiny, we got to do whatever the hell we wanted, right? you know? know we're not even thinking about copyright. What a privilege <laughs> <laughs> to be able to do that. Just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to play this and like, it's fine. Um, but just, yeah, like hearing one song, like there were times where, because I I'd also, um, when I went to grad school in Chicago, into the School of the Art Institute of Chicago to get my master's in new arts journalism, and while I was there, you know, they had a radio station on campus and I was like, yeah, okay, let's do this again. Mm-hmm. And so two hours every week, you know, did that. And, um, you know, sometimes not even picking a theme for the show at the moment and just starting with a song and then letting like, you know, a drum beat sort of like take you to the next song. You're like, oh, I know exactly what I'm, what I'm going to play now. And then like looking it up and then yeah. like playing it and then like hearing a lyric or like a sample and you're like oh I know what I'm gonna play now you know and then just like putting that together and then quickly looking up you know the song and like the producer and then like talking about it in between like I love that shit yeah I I miss that a lot how did they handle it with copyright like as far like were you did you just the fact that you weren't making money was that (laughs) I think it's probably different with like community radio yeah and so yeah no that's (laughs) because I think as long as you play it and it's not archived, like when they would archive the episode afterwards, Uh, what they would do is they would cut out the music and then just like keep the intro and outro and then like, you know, do that. Yeah. Because with with this show, I had like an MF Doom song as my opening song for like probably the first 30 or 40 episodes. Yeah. And um, that's why I'm still not on Spotify. I I probably eventually will put the show up there, but like I wanted to get my theme song locked. Totally. And my, you know, shout out Jesse Adams, another SF State graduate. He made me a dope theme song, which I was using as like the the end song because it just felt like that's what went there. Yeah. And then I had I was in Costa Rica last year, and I had my buddy Otis on, who was an up and coming artist, 
And I just wanted to make sure that that particular episode wouldn't have any copyright issues because I yeah. knew he was like, you know, aiming for a musical career. Yeah. And then I've just been using that. So I start, I used the end song for the beginning and I've been doing that ever since. Uh, and I love the song. It fits. But, you know, someday, you know, yeah. my, when my brother gets his analog studio together, he's going to make me like the Bart cast theme. Yeah. Because uh, nobody understands like my music like the music that turns me on like my brother does yeah like and i you know i keep pestering i'm like is the is the board ready yet is your studio <laughs> together come on man i need this song man come on it's gonna come together beautifully oh yeah i'm excited i know he's gonna crush it so um all things with time you know yeah for sure yeah um so what was i gonna ask you um so like this producer role, this is, is it like a full-time nine to five job? Yes, it is literally my nine to five. What is your like daily, take me through your daily workflow. My daily workflow. workflow. What does that look um, like? It depends on the day. So we release episodes technically on Fridays. So I just published the IRS <laughs> billionaire tax mm-hmm. one today. Um, corporate sends it out in their newsletter on Monday. Um, and then I also like create, you know, those little like podcast videos with a little wavelength thing. So those will go up on Monday so we can like extend the promo a little bit, gotcha. you know, for a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually, and then today I did an interview for next week's episode. So today I was like finalizing all the mixing and mastering for today's episode, doing an interview for next week's episode. What do you, what day do you record on? Um, vocals are usually going on like we usually record vocals like tuesday tuesday wednesday and any like last minute things on thursday okay so um month by monday afternoon we'll have a script send it off to our editor they'll make some you know some changes or some 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 suggestions and in the meantime probably monday also fish for like any radio actualities like things that we can like use in there too um look for some like good music um tuesday record the first of the vocals and then kind of like start to piece those things together like assemble things i use adobe audition for um for the show and then wednesday by wednesday i'll have like a good draft for everybody we have our like big meeting on wednesday and so everyone will like listen to it and then come to the meeting brainstorm a few ideas for like future episodes talk about some notes for this week's episode um any changes that need to be made Thursday, any re-recording, you know, last minute changes and stuff like that. And I usually have like a good um, final version by Friday night or Thursday night. And then I'll spend like early Friday morning just like making sure everything sounds good and then publish on a Friday. So um, we'll probably do a lot of writing on Monday. Okay. Just like try to get so it all that, that, out there. So all of the work that's going on during the week. Mm-hmm. And forgive me if you just explained this and it just didn't lodge in my brain, but like you're setting up all the recording for this week for the episode that's being released next Friday. Is that Mm -hmm. the idea? Uh, Or for this, like today? So we try to get the interviews. So it's kind of a two week cycle. Um, So for next Friday's episode, we started brainstorming ideas actually last week. And then this week we spent sort of like securing an interview. Mm -hmm. 
if I can get one earlier, like an interview earlier in the week, that's better. But the we got an inter- like two interviews today. So we'll take those interviews and either write around them as a narrative or just like write things to like introduce the interview, you know, so we'll start writing around it kind of did today and Monday. So it is a, it's like a two week cycle. Okay. Yeah. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah. It, it helps to have like, like I was saying, like a team of people. Right. I was doing this podcast by myself for two or three months. Wow. it's a lot. I was very stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what a good motivating force when like, like, cause that's definitely been one of the big struggles with doing this one man operation mm-hmm. is that like trying to get regular releases. Yeah. And I know that's like one of the most important fundamentals for c- creating content is you gotta have yeah. it out regularly. Like yeah. I haven't put anything out in weeks. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I've had an episode I've been sitting on. I just haven't got like, finished editing well it. and you have like you have jobs too totally. no, i like gotta you keep have, the house over your roof over my you head you gotta like feed yourself and yeah, stuff too totally. so that's i'm not stressing about it but i'm saying yeah. like that's what a team will get you yeah you know if i you know if and when i can like justify even getting like a like a intern or something where yeah. i could just be like hey i do this show yeah i kind of want it to be at a place where uh I, it's it's really going to be valuable if i'm yeah. having someone come and you know, work for free or yeah. for very little it does. for weed, whatever, yeah, I can give yeah, them, right. you know? <laughs> whatever you have. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, you know, that's, I could see how having that deadline every week is like an amazing motivating factor. You're building a lot of, it is because structures. people are looking for things at a certain like time and I'm not that type of person in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, All I'm too kinda, well. yeah, I'm kind of just like, I might be there in 15 minutes. I might be in there in there in 30, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just unfortunately one of those people. And, you know, coming from like community radio where, you know, you're kind of making up your own rules. Yep. And this is also my first news gig. And I mean, news is all about deadlines and those like expectations. And so that was, I, I would say like the transition from music into news. Oh my God. Like growing pains for sure. And I, <laughs> I still don't deem myself, I, I don't deem myself like a news expert at all. And, uh, but I don't think you also need to like know all about news to be a good producer. No, you're a production expert. Right. And yeah. so like you were saying, like your thing is making people feel comfortable and like interviewing and, you know, maybe I don't know everything, you know, that's happening with all of the laws and the bills and stuff like that. But I'm going to ask you questions about things I'm curious about mm-hmm. that I think other people might be curious about. Um, but yeah, the, the transition was a little bit difficult. I feel like that almost things. serves you better. Like, I would imagine that, like, it's not really your job to care or to get a mo. Like, <laughs> yeah, you want to care about what you're doing. You yeah. want to do your best job. But yeah. like, it almost seems like it's easier to do the job if you're not having an emotional roller coaster ride. Like you're not yeah. identifying with the content yeah. all the time, you know, yeah. unless you're, unless your role is to be that host mm-hmm. whose job it is to get angry or get upset, like as yeah. part of the performance. Oh, totally. Which even that you could argue is like, if you can stay aloof, yeah. it's going to be easier for your mental health. Yeah. But if you're like pushing buttons and you're editing and like, yeah. I could see like almost as a self-preservation needing to keep some distance between the subject matter. Yeah, I've for sure learned how to 
distance myself from some of the subjects like I mean you know now I'm I wouldn't say I'm like numb to it all but after reporting on coronavirus for two years Mm -hmm. um you know I'm I kind of some things just kind of go in one ear and not the other whereas I mean two years ago when the pandemic hit like I was producing for on air and it was just, it was a skeleton crew and it would be me, the producer, the editor and the anchor there. Was it all remote or were you still? The writers, the sports reporters, the reporters, you know, news story reporters, like they were all at home. Okay. And so the only people in the office was like me, editor and anchor. That's it. Which is so different from before, before it's like a hustling and bustling Mm -hmm. newsroom and stuff. And 2020 was like really hard. <laughs> I uh, it was hard. Like um, it was like <laughs> coronavirus, that. like protests, yeah. and then like anti-Asian everything. Mm-hmm. And then God, what else happened that year? Just everything. Um, and then I, yeah, I I had to. I started trail running that year because I had to do something that would take me out of it and like. I just needed a place where I wasn't thinking about any of that because if you're trail running and you're thinking about all that Mm -hmm. shit, you were going to (laughs) fall and you're going to get hurt. And so, you know, you get out there and you're just like, no brain, (laughs) just not falling on rocks (laughs) and stuff. Yeah. And so that's kind of helped me also kind of like separate a little bit from the content. But if it's something that you really care about, um, you know, like a subject that you really care about, sometimes it can, you know, you still get a little bit caught up into it for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it can be an, an inspiring thing as well. How, yeah. What is your process for choosing your subject matter, for choosing stories? Like, how do you, you know, you got to come up with something every week. So, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> how does that, uh, you know, how does that process work for you? Um, so, we come together, um, we have a couple of, meetings per week so one of the meetings is just with the producers another meeting is with the director of news news podcast the vp of news um digital manager multimedia manager like all the other moving pieces that go into it and so during that meeting uh we sort of talk about things that maybe the producers have been talking about over the last week like stories that we're interested in um and sort of just look at what's happening in the world in the country um and see if we can find an interesting angle on whatever is happening um and so like you know next week's is about uh disney and the don't say gay law and you know what power corporations have for in changing laws and so i did that interview today Um, And we just talked about that last week. Mm. Um, And that's when everything was sort of happening. And so we're like, okay, well, what's happening right now? And we sometimes things get released based on timing. Um, Last week, we did an episode about Katanji Brown Jackson. And it came out right as they were like deliberating and like deciding about whether to confirm her. some months ago we did something during hispanic heritage month and the struggles that uh street vendors um like hispanic street vendors have to go through and like licensing and stuff like that and so we'll base things off of like you know certain like news events set at different times or if like if you know 
Congress is, you know, meeting about something next week, we're, we'll probably do like an episode about that the, the following week. So it just depends on what's happening yeah. in the world. Um, and then try to do like a cool little angle on it. Mm-hmm. That's not just what everyone else is talking about. Is that where your like creative brain gets, so, yeah. gets worked? Mm-hmm. Working it. I think art school definitely helped with that. Um, cause again, my, my specialty or like my background is in like music and arts journalism. Yeah. And I think what like art journalism teaches you to do is to unpack things. You hear that a lot. It's like, okay, well like let's unpack that and let's yeah. look at the different like angles and stuff. <laughs> um, and so if you, you know, taking that kind of, you know, frame of mind and applying it to the news, uh, I think has actually helped out a lot. Nice. Yeah. Different well, interpretations. And stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you came on and it's been like been so good connecting yeah. and learning about your <laughs> your roles. And I, I definitely uh, have, a, you know, after doing my own produ- production of this show, I have yeah. like a very budding respect for the producer role. And, oh. um, and likewise. Yeah. You're doing it, man. I'm doing it. You know, <laughs> one episode at a time. So. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, can you let people know how they can connect with you, how they can find you? Yeah. Maybe tell us again your shows so that yeah. folks listening to this can check in. Um, let's see. If you want to listen to Connect the Dots, um, you could just search. You could go to kcbsradio.com and look for Connect the Dots or just Google it, Connect the Dots and Odyssey. Um, I also co-produced for Bay Current, uh, which is a less less frequently searched name so bay current uh you can just search for that on oh apple apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher um basically all the platforms except for spotify we're not on spotify for some reason um so you can search for both of those shows there and then um who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of months you can usually find me on twitter that's my more public facing like Mm -hmm. place and it's the same name that I have had for 12 years, which is Ecoute. So it's E-C-0-U-T-E-Z because regular Ecoute was taken. So nice. Um, that's how you can usually find me and I'll, I'll post stuff that I'm doing there. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think I have like six tweets all time. <laughs> it's the one, it's the one social media platform. I like, I see why people yeah. are into it. And yeah. I also have heard so many horror stories about the people that are addicted <laughs> It could be terrible and wonderful at the same time. Yeah, it's the internet. It's everything. Yeah, it is. I just am like trying to disengage as much as possible. And so it's like, it's like, do I want to take on a new digital addiction? But maybe not. You know, my I I still have a really badass handle. So I'm, you know, the account. What is it? Elephants Gerald. Oh my god, that's amazing. (laughs) I couldn't believe that I got it. I was like, all right, cool. Not of this one yet. That's wonderful. Um, so, you know, maybe I'll be doing more tweeting someday. <laughs> we'll see. But News-wise, it yeah. is a good place to be. Right, yeah. I find I, so I much on there. Totally. And people are really smart. People who don't have platforms otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of, like, not great things on there. But, like, you know, it's a very accessible medium. Totally. People are on there talking. It's a great. A lot of creativity. My, my cousin yeah. builds his whole reality via tennis twitter oh tennis so anytime twitter, there's an event that, that happens a world event you know whether it's like will smith and chris rock or yeah. something you know, i think he's coming into it via 
tennis Twitter. It's yeah. like the way that I learn about stuff through like the world of comedy. Yeah. He's learning about it through the world of tennis. Yeah. And I just think that's like one of the amazing and hilarious things about <laughs> contemporary cultures. We all have our little lenses that we're viewing the world through. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. Hell yeah. We got to do it again sometime. Down, down to do it anytime. Yeah. I want to, you know, when you're, when your show, when this mythical show <laughs> is getting ready uh, to launch, we'll have to talk about it. And, yeah. And more. Yeah. Right on. Definitely. Well, thank you, Mallory. Thank you. Have it was a, so much fun. Yeah. Have a great one. Thanks yeah, for coming on. Thank you.